Welcome to Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stat. Hello and welcome back to Junior Doctor's Corner. As you may have already guessed from my previous episodes on this show, I have a fascination for doctors who take unconventional pathways in medicine. And today's guests are no exception. Nish and Vijay are founders of Vantari VR, a tech company in Australia that's helping doctors improve patient health outcomes. And we go into a lot more detail about how that works in their interview. But I thought that it's really important to share their story so that if there are any junior doctors out there who are interested in startup or business, Nish and Vijay have very generously shared their nuggets of wisdom and advice. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. So thank you so much, Vijay and Nish, for joining me on Junior Doctors Corner. Um, So to start off with, for our listeners who haven't had the pleasure of knowing either of you yet, uh, Vijay and Nish, can you please tell us a bit about yourselves? Hi, this is Vijay. Um, Great to be here. Um, So I guess uh, together with Nish, I'm co-founder of a healthcare technology company called Vantai VR where we use virtual reality or the power of virtual reality to um, solve medical problems. Um, So we make uh, software health tech applications. Um, Just going back a little bit about me. So um, I started off doing medical science as an undergrad um, at UNSW, then postgraduate medicine at University of Queensland, um, and then uh, came back to Sydney for um, work. And that's where I met Nish uh, um, during our internship. So a bit of trial by fire. so we've been working um, in the medical system for about nine years now um, and uh, also um, Vantai VR, which was started two years ago. Uh, I have a special interest and, in fact, most of my years of medical practice, I worked in emergency medicine mm-hmm. um, and always been interested in sort of the intersection of technology and health and sort of very privileged and very excited to actually be part of Vantai VR and uh, move this technology forward. Yeah, and hi everyone. Uh, my name's Nish. VJ uh, uh, and myself have known each other for a large amount of our lives now, <laughs> considering it's been over seven or eight years, and we haven't been sick of each other, which has been really good. And um, so I myself did my university in uh, Queensland, uh, despite growing up in Sydney. Uh, did my uni at Bond University in Gold Coast, and uh, surprisingly didn't come across VJ at all, uh, despite being in the same state. Um, but, you know, came here and uh, I guess joined forces in a way at Bankstown Hospital during internship. And we were fortunate and unfortunate enough to do a large amount of night shifts together and um, realised we liked working under pressure and especially together. And um, we little do we know at that time that we'd be forming a company, you know, well down the track. So I spent a majority of my years um, in training or interest uh, in urology so that's sort of prostate cancer work and bladder cancer work. Um, and I spent a number of years at uh, metropolitan and regional hospitals. Um, and Vijay and I have also worked at regional hospitals such as Bowral uh, together. So two years ago, we came up with this uh, great idea to help bring to life medical imaging, uh, something that hasn't changed or, or grown over the last 30 years. And we thought, what 
great uh, impact we can have with something like virtual reality in medicine. And, you know, we've gone from strength to strength and now we're so fortunate enough to talk about our journey here on this podcast. As you mentioned, um, you both co-founded a very successful company called Vantari VR, incorporating technology and health. So um, your company provides virtual reality software and equipment for doctors and patients, if I've got it understood it correctly. Um, do you mind talking us through a practical example of how Vantari VR is used to benefit doctors and patients? Our two main arcs really are in surgical planning and medical training. Um, and in certain ways, both of those arcs of development for Antari um, have a profound impact, uh, both on doctors. So we went from you know, medical students to junior doctors to consultants um, in terms of their training and therefore their, uh, their proficiency and ultimately patient outcomes. And so I think both arcs have a, a lot of a big role to play um, in terms of patient outcomes overall. If I could just touch on one in specifically, um, which is medical training. So uh, our software uh, product that's, um, you know, far, downs, uh, far, far advanced in terms of development is a central venous catheter insertion tool. Um, so that, for listeners who don't know, is a large, uh, large-sized uh, cannula that goes in a vein in your neck to deliver life-saving medications uh, and fluids and other treatments to patients. And it's a very common procedure. It's done millions of times around the world per year. Uh, Five million CVCs are done a year in the US, uh, many thousands in Australia. So it's a very common procedure and every doctor has done at least once at some point in their career. And so uh, that is a very practical application. And we actually have the software now where the software teaches um, any user how to perform the procedure in a stepwise, a stepwise fashion. Um, it's, uh, you know, backed by medical literature. Um, it has a very, a, you know, technical immersive component and you're able to go through it. And at the end of it, you have report card and data gathering. And the data gathering is then sort of fed back both to the candidate, but also the directors of training. So they're able to assess the candidate and provide targeted help. So that's a very good practical example of it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're essentially providing a very safe environment, particularly for junior doctors, if they haven't had the experience or opportunity to do, um, you know, such a procedure to do one and then become more confident to do it on a live patient. Absolutely. Um, I think the utility is, you know, we're just scratching the surface of what can be achieved. Um, you know, doing a stepwise procedure is just the starting point, isn't it? So you can evolve it to do a lot of things in a lot of different scenarios, uh, model simulations. You know, in fact, go so far as to you know teach people how to perform complex surgeries at one day. So um, you know, I think the scope is massive and the impact is massive. Amazing. So how was the idea of Vantari Via conceived? Like, was it over a beer at the pub or, you know, was there a particular patient case that inspired you guys to start this? Yeah, it's interesting journey. I mean, uh, we'd love to say we were, it was over a beer at a pub or <laughs> having whiskey at night, but it wasn't the case. It was more painful hours trying to think of uh, solutions because what's actually easy to identify is healthcare problems. So I'm sure if you speak to any 
uh, medical practitioner, whether it's at an intern level or at a specialist level, they'll, able, they'll be able to rattle off a number of healthcare problems. Mm. Um, and then it comes down to how do you actually solve it? And solving it is not just on its merit in terms of what you can build, but how you're actually going to execute it. Because everyone has some sort of solution that could possibly work, but then how do you go about, you know, turning all the pieces into play to actually make it a reality? So, you know, both Vijay and I don't have any VR background, um, mm. so we had to learn it from scratch. And, you know, we've had experiences with VR in a way uh, growing up with technology and then, you know, being able to experience it. And then when we saw VR and used it for the first time, we thought, wow, this is something that could provide great benefits in healthcare. And that's really what what came of it. Um, in a way, we've always been passionate about the intersection of technology and healthcare. Um, prior to this, we had a... Uh, platform which connected students and doctors, um, a mentorship platform that we trialed um, here in Sydney as well as Queensland. And we tried to get a number of people around Australia connected to each other just to give a bit more collaborative collaborative approach um, about education and mentorship. And so from that, we learned a lot of the, the, I guess, ways about executing an idea or a solution in that way. Um, so, yeah, that's what really brought us, you know, on this journey. And, it's in a way, even though we've, uh, you know, gone, I guess, and built a company for the last two years, we still feel like we have a long way to go in achieving our, our vision. <laughs> you guys did mention that, you know, you first came across each other and sort of formed this um, friendship through night shifts and night shifts really do bring people together. What kind of advice would you give to a, a young doctor who's interested in, um, you know, starting a partnership um, you know, whether it should be with someone they know or it doesn't, that isn't as important. So we actually think um, you can count on one hand how many people you can start a company together. Um, and in fact, we've gone through our networks and I'm not really sure we could have started this company with anyone else. Um, right. And the reason is, you know, you might have heard a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of stories of, you know, founders coming together, good stories and bad stories. And in some ways they talk about, you know, having a founding team as almost a marriage um, because, um, you know, we see each other more than we see anyone else really, um, you know, and that's just sort of the reality. So I think it's very important to have that kind of uh, friendship, especially for us, I think it was very important because the thing is you can work with a lot of people in a clinical setting, but working in a business is a whole other thing. Yeah. And mm. So there is no guarantees just because you work well together in clinical setting that you will be uh, good co-founders, for instance. Um, mm. You know, you have to be able to put up with sort of the ups and downs, the uncertainty, the chaos. And it's essentially knowing that someone has your back all the time. And, you know, and you have to have that trust to be able to relinquish control, take up control, relinquish control in terms of what everyone uh, or either of you is good at. Um, and at times when one of one of the people is absent and only one of you are on the ground, you know, so yep. you can't really form that, you know, understanding with everybody. So I think that's a very important question. Um, Nish might have some thoughts about it too. So. Yeah, no, I thought Vijay answered that really well. I thought I felt like he was proposing to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nice for him to do it as Otherwise, I don't talk again. So it was a quite a romantic uh, gesture <laughs> from Vijay. But I just wanted to add, um, I think it's really important advice in a way 
to people starting a company, especially from a clinical background, it's always good to do it with a co-founder. Mm-hmm. I think trying it yourself is very difficult. I mean, everyone feels like if they've got a great idea, they don't want to share it with someone or they don't want someone to do it with them. So just be open to that. Like understand that you will need help uh, mm-hmm. no matter what age of the business you're in, even at the starting. You can be a solo founder, but, you know, to get to the your vision, it's going to be a lot quicker and a lot easier to achieve with the help of someone else. So it's important to, to try and do it with someone in that way. And I think also to add, just remember that just because someone is your, your best friend or someone you, you get along with doesn't necessarily translate into a business setting. It's important yep. to have different strengths uh, and different things you can bring to the table because what will often happen is if you're both quite similar, then you end up just bringing the same uh, things to the table and it doesn't add value to the business. So we've been fortunate enough that we do have, you know, different assets and different strengths and also different weaknesses. And it's important to complement each other in that way. Um, similar to a marriage, I guess, the way he said it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. So too often we only celebrate our successes, especially in medicine. We seem to f- focus very much on those only. And whilst that is an important thing to do, I think it's equally valuable to talk about the hard work and failures experience on one's journey to success, particularly in business. A lot of the time that's not um, openly spoken about or known. Um, You know, a lot of people imagine a lot of businesses are just overnight successes. So what has been your biggest failure on your entrepreneurial journey and what did you guys learn from it? We made this platform um, for mentorship and education for junior doctors um, and medical students, and it's called Doc Life. And that was uh, on our entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, one of my earliest failures, one of our, early, our earliest failures. Um, and uh, when I say failures, I wouldn't say, you know, it's a complete failure because there are a lot of things that good, good things that came out of it. We're able to impact a whole number of medical students. Uh, there was a lot of mentoring that we did, um, mm-hmm. both in sessions and both as a big groups. Um, and there's a lot of value that we provided. But from a commercial perspective, it was a failure in that yeah. it wasn't something that was ready to be monetized or wasn't executed in a way that could be monetized. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, you know, we have to shut it down. So what I would say is, you know, that really the central lesson from that failure would be, you know, when people think if you build it, they will come. Um, and I think that's really the biggest failure for, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a great website, a great platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really should have started with the problem and getting inside the minds of our customers and understanding the true value we could deliver before we built anything at all. Yeah, I think that was a really great stepping stone in a way. And the reason we don't often look at it as a failure is because it led to this, uh, it led to the way of understanding how to run a business, how to commercialize um, a solution in a way. Things we don't learn uh, coming from medicine, you know, both BJ and I spent so much time in clinical medicine, we didn't understand, I guess, the elements uh, to run a business. And even though we thought we did, we didn't. So I think it was really great learning. And um, I think it's a great question that you asked because not many people talk about failures. It's And, you know, you often sit around and people on a panel are often successful people. You know, it's it's not people that have just clearly failed and happy to talk about it. So I think it's really important that you, you know, you ask that question and you got us talking about it as well because I think it's, it's where we learn the most from other people's failures in a way and our own. And we don't want other people to make the same mistakes we did. <laughs> and if we can prevent that just through this podcast, it'd be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the biggest 
failure to have had or lessons learned, I guess, is another way to put it. And mm. um, the other lesson we've learned a lot about, especially doing Vantari, is um, as doctors and as, I guess, people from clinical backgrounds, we're very trusting um, and we often follow people, um, I guess, blindly because we feel a connection or some rapport to them. So I think that's something we've learned along the way because when you're running a business, I think it's important to to almost have a better sense of things. I think not just to... Uh, to be too trusting because I think as doctors we often fall into the path of um, being naive or just nice in a way and um, as we're running a business we're learning there are a lot of different uh, personalities and people in the world and um, it's important to to just take it as it comes and, and remember to to try and do as much research around um, around someone before you, you go following that way yeah with patients you know when you build rapport the rapport is basically your foundation of that relationship and you don't expect um, anything else from the patient but rapport and from that rapport to make shared decision-making or shared clinical decisions with them because there's no other agenda for the patient other than better. Mm-hmm. So to think of applying that in a commercial setting is very bad because mm-hmm. there is, you know, a rapport doesn't automatically equate to a good relationship in a yeah. business setting. Uh, mm-hmm. Because a rapport is only really step one. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, you have to evolve the relationship. There are so many things that you can, you have to explore uh, before you, you know, tick off things. Even from uh, you know partnerships, contracts, you know, scope work, you know, uh, actually engaging in research and development. So a whole spectrum of commercial activities that you will undertake you have to go above and beyond anything you would do in medical practice from a trust perspective. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That advice is, uh, I'm sure, a lot of um, other junior doctors who have never had any experience in business um, should really take on board. And so... Uh, can you please touch on how um, either of you dealt with any judgment or negativity that came with going down this road less taken? Because it's not as common here in Australia anyway for um, doctors to, uh, it is growing, but um, it's not as common here in Australia for doctors to be very entrepreneurial and, you know, take on these different sort of roles outside of medicine. So for instance, Nish, um, I believe your family was initially concerned or not as supportive as you would have liked of you becoming a doctorpreneur. They were concerned. Uh, I can't say they're still not concerned, but uh, they are <laughs> more supportive with, uh, I guess, each news article or something else that comes out that shows our business is real. <laughs> and so in a way, uh, I'm always giving them some, some information that will keep them happy. But I think um, to put into context, uh, my family is just uh, a lot of them come from a clinical background and uh, are specialists in different ways. And my mum being a general practitioner, my mom, uh, my sister is a a pediatric trainee and then I've got about 30 first cousins that are all doctors so um, when you've got someone who then I want to go start a business and look at they just think you're crazy <laughs> so you've got to be really resilient um, that way and secondly that's this that's why it's really important to have a co-founder um, because you have someone that will help you and, and guide you uh, together on this journey because if you're trying to do it alone and you're also fighting a lot of resistance in a way um, then that's quite challenging. I think the the positive about being, I guess, concerned is that they're caring. And so hmm. by 
being, I guess, overbearing about what I'm doing or what we're doing, it also means I have to constantly be on my A game in a way because I have to pitch to them constantly. And if I can convince them in a way of what we're doing, then we can convince anyone really. So uh, it, it's a good lesson in that way. So I'm, I'm pitching every week if that, if that is anything to go by. Um, and I think the other thing is to be, be uh, aware of what you're actually trying to achieve because, you know, your goal, your setting, and you and your co-founder are probably the only two people that really believe in it in, in the end of the day. And it's up to you as a founder um, or as co-founders to execute it. And so there will always be resistance, whether it's from family or peers or um, other stakeholders, whatever it may be. But you just got to find out who are, who are your early adopters, who are your key supporters, who are your ambassadors to drive what you have along with you and come on this journey. And I think it's all part of that journey. You have to embrace it. Uh, the more you, I guess, you fight against it, it becomes more exhausting because startup is mentally exhausting. I think BJ will attest to it as well that it is something that's definitely been even more mentally exhausting than and clinical medicine for us in a, in a whole different way. We never thought anything could be harder than medicine really because <laughs> when you are training as a doctor, you just think this is the hardest thing that anyone could possibly do. And then you try running a business from scratch uh, where you don't know anything and it's a humbling experience and it's a, a tough one. And Vijay, yourself, were you met with the same kind of resistance in your family? My family were actually, you know, quite supportive. Uh, I mean, sometimes... Uh, I'll have a couple of questions about it. But, um, you know, my brother and my dad are both run businesses, so it makes it easier for me that way. Um, and the rest of the family are engineers, so I, I was always breaking ground being a doctor anyway. I think for me, uh, the more challenging part were, um, you know, not all my friends, but some of my friends. Um, I was a bit disappointed by how supportive they were or were not at different mm -hmm. points in my journey. Um, and, you know, I think there are, uh, you know, a variety of reasons that it's hard, I think, sometimes with friends. Sometimes friends just don't know how to help you because nobody really does uh, mm -hmm. because they've never done it themselves. Uh, but other times I think, you know, people just get busy with their lives and don't have time to contribute um, or even make a, you know, but there are some simple steps that would probably really help, um, you know, especially when you're, first starting out so I think there should be a handbook for um you know friends of entrepreneurs I think you guys should write that that would be really yeah. useful <laughs> so if you guys could please give one advice each to someone wanting to pursue an unconventional career path uh, in medicine, uh, what would it be? Medicine or being entrepreneurial or doing something other than just what you did with a medical degree, it's not like it used to be. I know that makes us sound really old, but um, it is so different now, the landscape, in, this, in the sense that there are a lot of groups, um, you know, this entity called Creative Careers in Medicine, you know, uh, doctors, uh, you know, investors, in, or doctors who are investors, doctors who are business health, small business health, uh, owners. There are a number of groups and there are a number of actual experiences in the ecosystem or the startup ecosystem that anyone can go along to any given day. So if I could do it again um, now in this current climate, 
I think I would actually just immerse myself in all these events, all these groups, um, and really get the lay of the land. Um, and I think it really gives you a very good overall picture of where your opportunities lie, why your strengths are, and which way you could go. And I would absolutely encourage anyone who's thinking about doing something that's unconventional with medicine, go for it. I think the, the most adventurous uh, things that we've done has come from, you know, medical application in non-clinical settings. So I think it's a fantastic opportunity and a fantastic time to be right now doing that. Yeah, and yeah, I'd agree with Vijay. I think if you've got, I mean, an idea, uh, go for it because we have so many resources available. We have founders you can reach out to. There is a lot more going out, going on in the ecosystem uh, that can guide someone and help someone uh, in their journey. And I think to add to also what Vijay was saying, you know, now getting a medical degree does not mean a career necessarily in clinical medicine. There is opportunities all the way from business to medical legal to management consulting to whatever it may be. And I think it's important to, to just spread the word and educate people about it because not everyone knows and everyone thinks when you finish your medical degree, it means you have to be a specialist. And mm. when I say specialist, I mean surgeon or physician, yep. uh, general practitioner, whatever it may be. But now you can walk around and say, no, I'm a, uh, you know, I've started a healthcare company. Oh, no, I'm a management consultant for McKinsey or BCG, whichever. Like, so there is a lot of opportunities out there. And I think the more and more we, we find people doing this stuff and driving um, the change in a way, um, it encourages others because it becomes a real possibility. I think a lot of people are also scared about financial security yes. um, and instability that comes from doing some of this stuff. But there are really lucrative careers you can make in lots of no different non-clinical parts. Um, running a startup at the early stage isn't very lucrative, I can tell you that. So, just prepared for that. So, I'd say probably work for a couple of years before you do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, for a lot of a uh, lot of the other parts, you're you're going to be successful as long as you put your mind to it. So there is a lot of scope. And the other thing is being part of uh, the medical fraternity it puts you at a very fortunate position because it opens a lot of doors. Um, you know, doctors are well-educated people and you know have a lot of problem-solving skills that they can apply to lots of different disciplines, not just clinical medicine. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important that um, our listeners, you know, hear of stories from you guys because I certainly felt a lot of pressure from my particularly more senior colleagues to sort of name a specialty that I'm going to specialize in. Like, you know, it's sort of something that everyone expects of us when we're doing our training, particularly in the beginning. So um, it's good to hear other stories of um, people being successful in other medicine-related areas. To be successful doesn't mean, and probably took me a while to get my head around it as well, but being successful doesn't mean you have to be uh, a specialist who has mm. runs a clinic or is the head of department. It can be success in so many different ways. You know, we our company next year may have different difficulties and may close, but it doesn't mean the journey is not successful. So mm. I think it comes down to how each of us defines success and it's something I've learned, um, you know, founding this company with Vijay and going on this journey. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I think it's success for me is happiness and um, we are, you know, actually quite happy almost every day 
working, right? So I know sometimes in your clinical days, you'd be like, oh my goodness, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But it was, you know, that happens in startup and there are difficult moments and difficult days, but it's just still so like invigorating and exciting. And also that kind of pure enjoyment um, from running your company. Um, and I felt that happiness every day we work together. So I think if that is your definition of success and you can be happy doing something that doesn't have to be clinical medicine, then I, you should go for that. Well, final question. We're almost done. I ask all my interviewees this question. So given that you guys run a company, I can imagine you're very, very busy people. Um, so can you please name one or two things that keep you sane in your crazy busy lives? First thing is coffee. Like we really- <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're the first person to have said that on this podcast and I interview a lot of people who drink coffee. <laughs> no, seriously, it does because at the end of the day, if we don't have it, our meetings suck and, and it's, it's so important that we have it regularly. So it keeps us uh, keeps ticking along. Um, and for me personally, I think I play a lot of football or sport uh, just to keep sane. So that's the fitness angle and then, BJ and I also, you know, whenever we can, um, we'll try and catch a movie purely because that's two hours we can lock ourselves in a dark room and not be disturbed. <laughs> we are anywhere else. We are checking our phone or emails constantly. And that's one of the disadvantages of running your own business. You have to be switched on at all times. <laughs> and so that's how we keep saying. And BJ? So um, I, I guess my, um, you know, quick and dirty way of uh, switching off or uh, doing it easy is a video game plus whiskey so that's nice. for me um, mm-hmm. you know I guess a bit of a nerd and a gamer in, in some ways so that's what I do and it's so easy that's quick you just turn it on you switch off for what half an hour an hour whatever um and I'll whiskey obviously um but the the second part I guess um is actually hanging out um with uh, friends and family uh, mostly um and funnily enough um even outside of work Probably hang out with Nish the most. <laughs> so yeah, we just kind of go. Oh, we just saw you, we just saw each other all day. Actually, let's go to a movie. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, or, you know, something like that. Um, it's pretty funny, but we, we, we have a lot of interests that overlap, so that makes it easy. Uh, Nish plays soccer. I just like watching soccer. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctors Corner podcast. Um, yeah, and, you know, you've provided some really, really valuable advice that I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate. Sure. No, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. It was really fun. Thanks. And uh, to anyone out there, if they want to get in touch with us, just get through the website and contact us. We'd be happy to help. Yeah, I will leave the uh, details of how to contact you guys on the uh, website and show notes. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Anna. If you really liked that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode.